Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Shades of Blue Soccer Show. This is Thad. Uh, I believe I got Cody on the line. Are you there, Cody? I'm here. What's going on? Not much. Steve, you there? I am here. Cool. And for those who don't know, um, this is Thad. I write for thebluetestament.com. Cody is one of our key contributors on the Blue Testament. And Steve uh, Brizendine is the MLS beat writer for MLS Soccer, the Sporting KC beat writer for MLSsoccer.com. Did I get all that right, guys? Yes, yep. sir. All right. Um, kind of a little bit of a loose format today. Just wanted to talk about preseason for sporting and uh, how some guys are doing and such forth. Um, does anybody want to cover what how the the first couple of games here in the Desert Diamond Cup is went. Go ahead, Steve. Well, I, I uh, <clears throat> the the Colorado game obviously was kind of two halves uh, yeah. affair with with uh, Colorado going up two 0 and then Sporting coming back and and tying two two. I think the really funny thing about that was that they actually finished that thing uh, eleven on ten with, with Colorado getting the guy <clears throat> sent off for his second yellow. I think that's yeah, that was the, weird. Uh, both coaches were a little, uh, little ticked because you know it's, it's a preseason friendly basically, and uh, it, a, it seems a little bit close. Uh, it was you know nice to see him come back, and um, yeah, and, Benny and uh, Benny and Namath came in in that game and, and really pushed the ball forward and made a difference. I, I think you saw a lot of good things from uh, Benny Fiel Hubbard too last night again in the Sounders right. game. That pass yeah. that he gave to uh, to Graham Zeus, and I think yeah, looking looking at uh, him, he's been a really, really bright spot throughout the preseason. Uh, yeah. Last night again, the uh, the Sounders game going up with three nil, and then having to come back to three two. Uh, it's you know again, it's a tough game to read because they're not really throwing everybody in. Uh, yeah. That's going to be the starting eleven. Yeah, that's that a. But uh, that comeback didn't really bother me a whole lot. That was the game had changed quite a bit at that point, and different guys were in. So the the, the starting the starting guys looked good and controlled the game pretty well. Yeah, I think there's some good things. Um, and again, the things that maybe are not been quite as uh, as much as what you'd like to see if you're a sporting fan have been a result of. Guys who are new, guys who are getting used to yeah. their spot, who are getting used to the team, things like that. So you know, it's it's really kind of hard to tell, but I think you've seen some good promise from from some people. Yeah, it's, that's that's a, kind of an interesting aspect about this team. Like if you look at the starting lineup, there is like a really solid core of guys that are familiar with each other and been around for a while. But then, you know, beyond them, there's a lot of guys that are. You know, you know, fans might not know a whole lot about, and they're young, and even just trying to, you know, have a spot on the team still at this point. So even with last night, with um, or in the last game, 
with looking at the uh, what we consider the closest to the starting lineup so far, even that's pretty different from what we've had before. Obviously, different keeper, uh, DeJong at left back, yeah. uh, Dia right back, um, Anor in there. We just we've there's still a whole lot of difference from from last year, and those those guys perform pretty well as a with the first team or what we would consider last year's first team at least. Yeah, it's, that's that's what's weird about the about having Ike Opara and uh Chance Myers coming back and then a return of Roger Espinosa. It's there's, you know, three guys in the starting lineup that are different from last year but, you know, also familiar with the team and part of the team. Some of the guys are new I guess new to the eleven and of course Ike was a he started quite a few few games the year before yeah. he got hurt. Um these are guys who who know the game and the way the sporting plays and are going to be probably easier to integrate into the brand new eleven. Um, yeah. With Chance Myers when he gets back, um, you know Kevin Ellis I think right now is going to see a lot of action at right back until Chance gets back. Um, yeah. But these are guys who are, who are not unfamiliar with the team. I mean, you get you guys Marceline. Uh, and I think the, the change in keeper is going to be one of the bigger adjustments just yeah. because of how uh, Marine plays the game. Marine, uh, I have not seen a, a keeper in a long time with, with sport who comes out the way that he does uh, to the top of his area and beyond. So that's going to take some <laughs> real things to in terms yeah, of that, what kind of recovery you have if, he, if somebody rounds him. Um, all sorts of things that are going to have to be considered there. Yeah, that uh, first goal against Colorado, I was I, had, I couldn't even like tell that that was a keeper that, that shot into the screen. He was he was so far out and came came out so quickly. Yeah, so the back line is definitely not used to that. And he has, you know, he's been in Chile his entire career, so he's gonna have to get used to the the league as well. So as as well as you know meshing with the back line. So that'll be that'll be interesting. I think that's the that's the key one of the key uh, questions there is how how fast is that back four going to mesh, especially with the new keeper who plays differently. Uh, right. The question at the top, well, I'm sure we'll get to that later. So you have Dwyer and Namath out there uh, on the pitch at the same time, and if so, how do you use them both? So I'm sure we'll get to that later. If I'm looking at the script right now, and that is budgeted some time for arguing. I see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. I think we actually quite a bit agree, but just a, a little bit of a to the degree of difference. But uh, uh-huh. back to Marin, uh, Marine, however, however the right term for to say is to say it correctly. But he, you said he's a little bit different. There, we haven't had a keeper like that for a long time at Sporting. I don't know if we've ever had a keeper like that at Sporting be a starter. Um, he's the traditional Hispanic keeper that's willing to take a little more risk and go way out there versus the stay home in the six yard box kind of guy. Yeah. That, that's going well, to take not only the back four getting used to it, but the, the defensive mid getting used to it. Right, yeah. It, it's, I think that's one of the things that, that uh, Peter Vermees likes about him, though, is that he will get active in the ball distribution out of the back during the run of play. And that's something that, uh, you know, it, with, with the sporting tape, he wants them to start building as soon as the possession changes, no matter where it changes, I mean, it changes with the keeper, then he, he wants that possession to start building right away, maybe not holding the ball so long to get it back out, but getting out there up the field 
up the pitch and, and getting things going back to the direction as quickly as he can. So I think uh, Vermees is pretty high on, on that quality. It is just going to be that how, how quickly everybody else uh, can adjust to that. And maybe you leave somebody else at, a, at home in your, in your civil defense uh, or drop him back into the, into the net for any, any kind of clearances when Marine comes out like that. And more of what he's always says, know when to go, when to stay. And it's going to be a while uh, I think, you know, several matches into the regular season before they get everything yeah. nailed down of when to go, when to stay. Yeah, he will. That's, he, at least he knows that's that's key, but he won't know until, like you said, until until he's probably made a mistake or two at the at the beginning of the season, but we'll see. Yeah, no, I'd like to go back for a second to the first game, the Colorado game, and like you said, it was a game of two halves. Um, the first half, the the, the the lineup out there in midfield, if I remember correctly, was uh, Marceline, uh, Naga, and was it Roger? Um, uh, not exactly. What's that? Yeah, I believe you're right there. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was. I, I'm pretty sure that was the starting midfield of that in that game, and none of those guys are what I would consider the most offensive threats. I mean, Naga's kind of played that box-to-box role the last couple of years, and Roger was kind of that guy before um, where he could go out and destroy things, but he always had that defensive, that serious D-mid behind him or behind Naga, either Julio Cesar or Yuri or, you know, Lowe when he was filling in last year, things like that. One of the things that Vermees was critical about was that the group in the first half, he goes, play too negative, they didn't go forward. Well, isn't that exactly the lineup you put out there, Peter? In the second half, when they started going forward, that's when offensive guys came into the midfield, and they were able to go forward. Maybe defensively, they weren't as tight in the midfield, but they were creating the offense, which was better than a defense at that point. Is that a fair, fair yeah, look at it, guys? I mean, what do you think, Cody? Well, sorry, Steve. No, go ahead. I was the same. Was that a fair uh, look at it? Either one of you guys. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, that's that is a that is a valid point. But it was also it seemed to me that that lineup was in the first half was seemed to be kind of the the second string, at least maybe like on on you know on some levels. And then so yeah, when you bring in Namath, who who is going to be on the front line, and Philhaber, who's just been itching, you know, always itching to get forward. Yeah, I mean it. it it totally goes against his whole, his, his, you know, that that mindset of you know defensive in the in the midfield. But yeah, how about you, Steve? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. There were quite a few destroyers out there, uh, and not so many creators. Now, Roger, uh, I think uh, has shown some uh, quite some development in, in before he left for, for Wigan in his. Uh, more attacking role, but yeah, he's still going to be that box to box guy. Nagamura is going to be that box to box guy. Marceline is, uh, you know, he not only is he adjusting, but his his job is, is a demon. So, yeah, I, I can see where maybe the, they weren't set up to do a whole lot of creating. But I think when they do get the the eleven set, it's going to be a pretty good mixture of creators and destroyers in the midfield. That's uh, and it's it's starting to look like there is the. Um the good mix of who can play there. Now, in, in the last game against Seattle, you know, they, they tweeted out the lineup being a 4-3-3, essentially, with Namath being in the midfield. It 
Yeah. And he was awfully forward for being in the midfield, if, from my look. Um, but I couldn't really. I, I'll be honest. I, I couldn't. From watching it, I could not say they played a specific formation as much as they were given a lot of freedom to to go forward and create with with some defensive responsibilities. I mean, is that a fair statement? Or yeah, I, I, Namath was was getting forward, but I there were several times I could see that he was sticking you know, to some extent behind that front three, like on his uh on the goal from the, the flick from the nor, you know, the the front three were forward in the box and had a you know, a touch or two and then that was Namath running in from the midfield to put it home. So he was he was staying back to to some extent, but yeah, he's definitely if they're going to play him there to, you know, Keep him on the field, maybe with while Anor is on the field, then, then yeah, he'll be he'll be getting forward a lot. <laughs> well, that's the question. Where you know, with the, especially those two guys coming in, Anor and Namath, where do you use them? Do you use them on the wing? Do you use them in a withdrawn role? Do you use them uh, all three at once? Do you keep one in reserve? I think it should be really interesting to what what they do because Vermees has ended at a formation change. Do they go now with the standard? I know. Four? Or two? Do they go with the diamond? Do they go with uh, four three one one or four three two one? How do they how do they do uh, the new lineup or the new formation with those two guys especially? Because it seems like they're both pretty versatile. I mean, Anyor can play a lot of different spots on the pitch. Namath has already shown that he can he can move around. He can go and he can be an inside out guy. He can he can can come up the middle, uh, can, can work the wing, can can lay back behind the uh, target striker and do a lot of different things. And on your, you know, we've seen him in MLS. We know how versatile that guy is. So yeah. and we know yeah. how much Burbee's prize is versatility. How does he use those guys? Is it a situational thing where they start tailoring their, their lineup to the opponent more? You know, maybe it's an opponent that's not – Nearly as strong in the in central defense as they ought to be, but strong with the fullback. Do they do they weight the lineup to the middle of the pitch? Uh, conversely, if they're not as good on the outside, do they weight the lineup to the wings? It's going to be really interesting to see how they play that versatility into uh, coming up with formations and, and lineups for every match. Yeah, the, he. I've been waiting for this this new possible formation like to some point in these first few games, but they've definitely been at least sticking somewhat close to the four three three. And like like you were saying it'll be interesting what what they do. I think that Peter is really high on Anor and he's really high on um Namath and that's why I think that, that formation last night was like it's you know, it was a little it, we it's he was saying that Namath was his value was up front in the three positions, but to, so to see him in the midfield last night, that makes me think he was trying to you know figure out a way to have those two on the field at the same time. But if he does play a nor in the midfield, then that means he's he will be getting forward, and Benny might be forced to play a more more of a defensive role there, helping out Roger, which That's is which is definitely not where his value is. <laughs> The uh, well, Benny, the Benny is, did do well yeah, when he played defensive mid for a while, but kind of Steve. Yeah, 
he 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 can play back there, and he and he's he's good back there. But uh, uh, Phil Hopper's value is in his top value is in is in creating. And I think right. if you have Rodman on the left side, uh, is a box to box guy. Uh, you have Benny on the right side uh, as as the creator working into the middle and creating, and then you'll have whoever your your deem it is, and we'll get to that later, I'm sure. Uh, then that yeah. leaves. You have Zussi on the on the pitch, and you have Dwyer on the pitch, and that leaves the question of okay, where's Onyorn, where's Namath, and how do you get uh, both of them out there at the same time, or can you get them both yeah. out there at the same time? So no. this is that's um, going to be really interesting to see how the, those two wind up sharing minutes or where they're used. All right. One of the things I think that uh, fans and media get caught up in is the when Peter says, you know, a formation change, for primarily over the last few years, he's primarily played a four-three-three, where the the mid three is a defensive mid, a, a box-to-box guy, and an attacking mid. But they kind of one to the left, one to the right, sort of thing. Um, and you know, sometimes he would invert it on the road when they needed to play a little more defensively. It would be more of a uh, a defensive mid and a defensive mid slash two, you know, part two they would hang back. So he would kind of invert that triangle in the mid where you'd just have one guy up front instead of two getting forward. So you'd have a little more coverage back there. He, with Benny and Roger, he may be looking at using Benny and Roger as the base of that triangle being a little farther back because Roger obviously yeah. can, he can motor and he can get around the pitch and run all day. Benny has the ability to, to create, but maybe he's looking for him to create from a little farther back those long passes, the the pass he dropped in which, the other night to Zeusy. Yeah, as I said, which we saw, yeah, and it was beautiful. <laughs> well, what we saw that uh, the you know, men said a lot was on the was in Concacaf Champions League games on the road. I think he, that was something that he kind of tinkered with. Uh, if I'm not uh, mistaken, he did that on the road the year before too, where he would go with his four four man back line, and then it was he'd have two D mids, and then. Uh, Three, basically three guys in front of that, and a two forward setup to where it was more of a, a midfield oriented, uh, reactive sort of a sort of a setup. And I wonder if we're going to see something like that. Yeah, with uh, where you had maybe uh, Marceline, Claros if he's still here, um, occasionally teaming up in the back, or Roger teaming up in the back with somebody, Naga teaming up in the back with somebody. Um, it's going to be. It, it, nobody's going to telegraph too much in the preseason about any kind of formation shifts because yeah. it's not something you want to you want to give anybody an advanced look at uh, before the season starts, especially not your conference rivals, to where they've got a little bit of extra time to, to go to the drawing board and say, okay, this is what they've been showing us in preseason. It's different from what they've showed us before. How do we deal with that? It's something you spring on them when the regular season has started and the, and the, and the matches matter. Yeah. Yeah. The flip side of that, though, is that if you spring it on them when the season starts, if you haven't at least done it a little bit in preseason, you haven't worked it out against the competition. Also, you know, so it's going to be a little bit of a. I think there's a little bit of a catch twenty two to that that theory. I'm not saying you're wrong, Steve. I'm just saying there's a little bit well, of a, a well, issue well, with I that, from that, my point. But I, I think that maybe why, you know, they said it was a four four a four three three and that. Namath was at the top of the of the midfield triangle, but 
maybe, you know, they were just calling it that and what what they were actually doing on the field was quite different. Uh, Very uh, and we saw that time we saw that, you know, last year as well. Uh a couple times when they would shift almost into a into a four four two or four three one two sort of a thing. With uh, uh, uh guys sort of sitting uh between the midfield and then the forwards and pinching both forwards in uh, a little bit and working it that way. So they've done some some shifts before, but not to where they would come out and say, "On the outside of the match, this is something different we're going with." It was sort yeah. of it was a lot in match shifting. We saw a five true. man back line a few times. Uh, not this past season, but the season before when uh, when Oparo was healthy, and they'd bring him in in, in tight matches uh, as a sort of a, a third center back. He basically had a five-man back line. Uh, so he's made tactical shifts on the fly before. But in terms of coming out, yeah, and saying, now we're in this new setup, that's going to be a little bit of time coming, I think. Absolutely. Of course, we uh, we, did, we also did see the three-five-two last year very briefly. Um, that could be uh, – th- that seems to be one of the hot ones that everybody keeps talking about, but uh, – We'll see if Peter maybe experiments with that one again. Also, well, remember they won MLS Cup when he was playing for for the Wizards in a three five two, but the three five two last year was a matter of absolute necessity because the, their center back roster uh, looked like a you know a hospital admission sheet and a, and, a, and, a, and a vacancy list. It was just it was nobody there to play that that spot except for. EPB. This is before Ellis had had really stepped in at a, at a center back spot, and that was an experiment. And and they got away from that pretty quickly because it just wasn't working for them <laughs> with the personnel that they had. Um, three five two, you know, would it would it work today? I don't know. Um, I would think almost think you'd have to have your three would be uh, natural center back types or two center backs and a D mid type. And then two of your outside guys on the five would have to be fullback types. So it's uh, as, as far as having fullbacks in, in the three, I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing I'm seeing they have to have center back types in the three, and, and the fullback types as part of the five. No, I, I don't really disagree with that. Um, all right, now um, we've, we've been talking a little bit around where Namath is going to fit in and stuff like that. Uh, so far, he's the the preseason goal scoring machine, five goals. Um, three of them against FC Tucson, if I remember correctly, and then one in each of the other games. Um, this is where followers of Steve and I might have watched us uh, argue a little bit over Twitter the other night. And <laughs> I was just saying that I didn't feel that the three against FC Tucson was the um, – the key to make me thinking that Namath was the goal scoring machine that he looks like so far. The two in the against the MLS teams, I'm pretty happy with. The three against FC Tucson is a little lesser competition, and I just don't count them as much. Steve, make the make the case that convince me why I should care that he scored three times on FC Tucson. Uh, all you do <laughs> look at we're back to this with the U.S. Open Cup. Um, yeah. What uh, 2011? They get no goals against Richmond and lose. 2013, sorry, yeah, 2000, sorry, it was 13, 4, 13. They uh, they get no goals against 
Orlando City Grant. Those are those were full professional clubs. FC Tucson is, I think, at best a semi-pro club. But then you look at at other places around the world. Look, at, I'm sure that that uh, Chelsea would have had, liked to have a few more goals against Bradford City. In the League Cup, Man United would have loved to have some goals against uh, Milton Keynes Don. Uh, you want guys who are going to go out and get all they can against anybody they're playing because it shows they take every match seriously. And if, they're, if they're going out and goofing around and, oh, hey, this is a, this is a, a fourth-tier PDL club, uh, they're not going to get my best effort. Those are not the guys you want. So the the fact that that he got three against FC Tucson tells me that he takes every match seriously, and he, so he's going to take it seriously when they play the the, the cellar dwellers in, in MLS play. He's going to take it seriously in the Open Cup. He's going to take it seriously to get back to CCL, and he's still around like when they're playing uh, uh, teams like oh, if they if they get the the Nicaraguan side again, Real Esteli who have never won uh, CCL, or if they go down to Guyana or uh, someplace like that playing a, a team that, that really they're expected to just beat up on, you'll want somebody who's taking that seriously and is going to go and, and get you the goals uh, no matter who they're suiting up against because that shows that they, they take everything that they're doing as though so that, that's the most important match is the one they're playing right now. And I think you can look at the goals, and they were, you know, put away calm, cool, and collected, or put away confidently, and and um, like now we've seen him hit two PKs and looked, you know, pretty deadly on both of them. Uh, and yeah, I mean, at the on the other end of that spectrum, if we're not supposed to give, you know, Namath too many accolades for you know the competition not being that good, then uh, if if Dom Dwyer hasn't been putting up the same numbers, then should we be worried about that? In in I will go with in way yes, but um, I'm really looking at mostly any game in preseason. I'm only taking half seriously anyway because of all the factors that you know maybe different formations, maybe guys are playing out of position and be people being tried out and things like that. Um, with FC Tucson being a PDL team, scoring on them is good. Uh, scoring on an MLS team in preseason who's competing for real jobs, better. So I'm not saying that you don't want a guy out there. You know, it's not good to have. I'm not saying it's not good to have a guy out there that wants to score every time he steps on the field. Beauty, I love that, and I think you've got that in Dom also. I think mean, you know yeah. Dom's going to try to score. You know, if, if he if he walks by a, a computer game, he's going to try to score. Okay, <laughs> right. He's he's going to go out for it every every single day. Also, so I, I think those are all good things. And we we look back at Rich after the Richmond loss in the Open Cup, and Peter was pretty unhappy with the effort put out by some of those guys, and some of those guys disappeared. Uh, and the game against Orlando, and Richmond was a little bit of a fluke with the rain. If you remember, that was like that big rainstorm and some stuff like mm-hmm. that, if I remember correctly. Um, Orlando, that was also a little bit odd, but in, Peter was not happy with the effort put out by some guys at that point. Again, some of those people aren't here anymore. Uh, he he will shuffle people out if he doesn't think they're going out and putting out that effort. So, I'm, yes, Nemo should be putting out that effort against even a PDL team, and that's good. 
but it's three goals against a team that is made up of guys who are not getting paid. You know what I mean? It's when well, Sporting puts up five goals on the brass, it's it's good for those guys, but it's not something we go, oh, the guy that scored five times on the brass is the guy we should be starting. No, it's still Dom that we should be starting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, for for me, it wasn't just the fact that he had a hat trick or scored five goals. It's it's I saw him, you know, really confident on the ball, like in the box, and he was able to find space and either get a shot off or get a pass off. And I mean, I also and he also we now have another guy that is apparently going to be trying overhead kicks, like on crosses. That was that was good to see. I think that was against. SC Tucson, so it's, so yes, he's definitely going going all out in in all the games. I think the other thing is too is uh, especially if he's out there on on the the, the pitch at the same time as, as Dwyer, as it could want to be in the case. Look at how many times that Dwyer would wear down an opposing defense or pull people out of position because they had to account for him, open the door for somebody else, and the finishing just wasn't there. Yeah, and, uh, they had a reliable second scorer, you know, an eight, nine, even ten goal scorer behind him to take advantage of the opportunities that he created. Think of what kind of different season they could have had last year. Uh, finishing is 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 a skill that you can't overlook because uh, right. no, matter, no matter who you're playing, you still have to put the ball on frame and get it in. We saw how many times, uh, how, many, how many times over the last several seasons. That hasn't always been the case with sporting. Um, shots over the bar, shots uh, sprayed off different directions. And having a guy who's a, who's a good finisher uh, is always valuable, no matter who the, uh, the the opponent is. And again, if you've got somebody who can who can finish the opportunities that are being created by the defense having to take take wire into account and getting worn down by him, then that could that ups your goal count. As I said, if you up your goal count eight, nine, ten. From one guy uh, every season behind your top scorer, that goes a long way. Yeah. Um, I and, uh, go ahead, Ben. No, go ahead, Cody. Um, the to, to be fair, to be fair to Dwyer, he he did acknowledge that you know he had the had the twenty two goals, but could have had. He said he could have had thirty. And so he he is aware, and um, no one will ever question his work ethic. And it seems like if he puts his mind to something, he can make it happen. But yeah, it's sad. That's I think that's like like what Steve was saying. I think that's why we maybe we're talking so highly of him, or or we're so pleasantly surprised. Is because for for me, it wasn't necessarily like they were. We don't. We always seem to put the ball on frame. But for me, it's always like right at the keeper, or not far enough away from the keeper, and that I always I always thought that that was something that maybe they were they were telling these guys is, is you know if we just get in you know the, uh, get the shots off stats will show that you know they'll go in but I'm always frustrated at seeing it hit right off the keeper and and so it was refreshing to see a guy come in you know right off the bat and and you know five goals or a hat trick in his first game. Yeah, actually that's a good point, Cody. Um, Having a guy who can finish and, you know, that can be that clinical finisher and stuff like that on the field at the same time as Dom is, would be a wonderful thing. One problem with Peter so far in the last few years has 
we've had clinical finishers that can finish, but they weren't always getting on the field. Claudio was able to get on the field. (laughs) Um, He was, uh, in last year in preseason, he was playing the role underneath of Dom, and they were creating together and working together, and they were, you know, looking pretty good. And when the regular season started, Claudio was on the bench. It was a regular 4-3-3, and we know the rest. I mean, he's now Claudio is, well, wherever he's at. Um, well, see, he's, see, see that's Sunni. what I think the – oh, go ahead, go ahead. You know, Sunni's in Thailand. I mean, he was – he could be a clinical finisher at times, maybe not quite to the same level that Claudio was, and, and maybe neither one of them is where Namath is at right now. You know, I, I don't know. But, that, but that's, getting that's, that's those guys all that on that the field form, working together. That, that's why I think that that last formation, or the you know the last lineup he put out there was a pretty good indication. Like, like we were saying, Namath and Honora are both uh, really versatile, and they thought, Namath was going to be up front, and I think maybe that's why he he is trying to figure out a way to get Namath on the field with Dwyer, and he's going to have him play up front because he knows. I mean, while while Benny's top value may be getting forward, he knows that he can play there like he did all last year. He can play back and you know play long balls through from the back. So that's why I think that last lineup was a pretty good indication of of what's going to happen. All right. Anything uh, to add in there, Steve? No, I, I was just thinking you were talking about uh, Sunni. I think Sunni's primary weapon was he had a huge, heavy shot. I don't think that he ever really got utilized in, in, a, in a place where he could do that. He he was not a four-three-three guy. I think that they no. did a pretty good job of making him into as much of a four-three-three guy as he could. But he was a withdrawn, shoot from distance kind of a guy, guy naturally, and I don't think that that was that he was ever going to be fully comfortable and, and fully at home on that wing. Um, now, in a two forward set, would that have been different? Maybe so. Um, but in, in, in terms of of expecting him to, to come up with a bunch of goals playing where he was, I don't think that was ever really going to happen. No, no, and I completely agree with that. But I'm. We've had those guys, and they've sat on the bench, or they've been put out wide, where they weren't able to score as much. Um, like I said, Sunni, Claudio, um, they probably could have played. They probably could have scored a whole lot more goals if they were in a four-four-two up there with Dom. You know, Dom running into the guy and them underneath, and um, you know, cleaning up or taking shots from distance or whatever. But that's what we saw out of Namath this time. So we'll see if that carries forward out of the preseason where last year it did not. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. Maybe again when he's talking about having the the people to, to in-house now to, to to be able to do what he's looking to do in terms of formation. Uh, I guess we'll know on, on March 8th if, uh, if everything starts on March 8th. Well, well Absolutely. Another, another thing about Namath is how, how much do we like know about his his times from Liverpool. I mean, like, he he is supposed to be, you know, that that clinical of a, of, of a finisher, and then it's, from what I saw, it looked like it was just, you know, an, an injury here and an injury there. Like, he was just never able to get back to Liverpool. So, I, I think that, I think we can, we can, with 
you know, fairly good confidence, trust that, that he'll continue this into the season. Yeah, he's been somebody they've had an eye on for quite some time. Say that again? No. That he's been somebody that, that, that Sporting had an eye on for quite some time, and Vermees had an eye on for quite some time. So uh, clearly they think they, they're, they're pretty high on, on him, and they'd, they'd, if they're using an international spot on him, they're, uh, they're not going to want to sit him too much. Yeah, and we don't know how much he's getting paid yet, do we? No, uh, not that I know of, no. Yeah, no, I'm, no, I'm excited for that to come out. With the CBA. He didn't come out as a DP, so. I know, but I, uh, I, bet, it's, I bet it's close. Um, now, going down the list of uh, some of the other new players, we've talked about Anor. Um To me, he's actually impressed me. Um, yes, I've seen him in MLS play before, but he seemed very effective with sporting the when with his time out there so far and seems like he is a play Peter way of uh, maybe once in a while giving people a little shoulder hammering people when necessary kind of guy is that the is that the take you guys get on him yeah I, yeah he's I, go, go ahead Steve. no I, he's got he's got a nice mixture of power and and, and finesse uh, and yeah he, he he can get down and and play uh, gritty, or he can he can play in a wide open game. Uh, the, again, that's he's looked really good. I, I've seen people from Columbus saying they're not real thrilled with uh, with Berhalter for letting him get away. Because um, uh, when you're well, when you're well thought of in your former city, still, and that's a usually a pretty good indication that you're kind of a, you're kind of a guy that the, the club wants. Yeah, I I was um, I saw last year that he had like a screamer from like probably. 35 or 40 yards out. It was, it was insane last season. And so I, and after that I started following him and and I always saw him be, you know, pretty tough and strong on the ball. And then in that, was that, was that the Tucson game? I think it was that uh, he, you know, danced around a couple guys in a box and just, you know, passed it past the goalkeeper. So that was, that was very refreshing to, you know, see, see that other aspect of his game. And yeah, I think, I think with, once Peter gets him sporting fit, he's gonna be he's gonna be uh, pretty dangerous. We talked about finesse that ball that he delivered to uh Namath for the goal against right, the Yeah. Pretty little back heel. Yeah, that, and he always that's one of the things that impressed me the most about him so far. Say again. That was one of the things that impressed me the most was that back heel you were just talking about. It was he he was he was calm, he knew where everybody was, he had to the the vision you know of the field to know that Namath was back there, and just to mm-hmm. flick it back to him, that was that showed uh, you know qualities all the way around plus um, the added quality that he was willing to take that risk right there you know, right. and that's something you can't coach you either have that or you don't. It's, it's one yeah, of that's something that you don't add at this level. No, <laughs> the tool you you uh, you come in with. I, I really hope that that they figure out a way to keep those two on on the field at the same time because that I don't think that'll be the first the first time we see a nifty little play between the two of them. Yeah. Well, I, I do truly get the feeling that uh, Anor, Dwyer, Zusi, Namus is going to be on the field a lot together. The question will be what formation and where they're at, but I think they will be on the field a lot together. That's right. Based on Maybe they, you know two games, overwhelm teams and win win matches seven to five or something. No, I think I think defense will be okay. Um, 
but it, it's going to be interesting to see if they go with a really high-powered offensive lineup and, and maybe look to, to, to ring up some goals and make a few defensive subs, or if they keep some offense on the uh, on the bench uh, for the for the 60 to 75 minute window to see uh, if, if they can get the other teams worn down and then bring in some some fresh firepower, as it were. Well, the, uh, there's still the possibility that there's more offense coming. I mean, Rob is hinted at uh, going to a couple places in Europe watching games. Peter's um, also said that he, earlier, before they brought in uh, uh, Namath, they, you know, or um, actually not Namath, but uh, Sony Mustavar, however you say his name, they were looking at bringing in two more players at that point still, one of them being an attacking player. Um, there's still a possibility of another attacker coming in. Uh, uh, I remember, uh, I think Rob had tweeted out that they were looking for a number 10, and everybody went, why do we need a number 10? We have Benny. Well, maybe that's because Benny is no longer going to be a number 10. Maybe he's going to yeah. be dropped back into that, the box D-mid kind of role, you know? Well, if you look at the their roster online right now, there's only three people listed as a forward. <laughs> so that might I guess there. I guess there's definitely room for, you know. But but see, that, that's one thing that's confusing. Is if it's if it's going to be you know an attacking player like a striker, then it's you know I, I would be very surprised if it was somebody that was going to, you know, put Dom on the bench. But I'd also be very surprised if they were going you know all the way overseas and you know talking about another big signing, <laughs> if it was just going to be someone that was going to you know back up Dom as another as another striker. <laughs> Well, when I think of the attacking player, I'm not thinking of another striker. I'm thinking of a winger, myself. But yeah, but so we have you, so there's there's the, I mean there's Anor and then there's Namath is was technically thought of to be you know a, a a forward you know winger on either side like that. It seems like that was like a really packed spot, but I don't know maybe maybe not. Zeus is sort of a slash uh, forward yeah. winger in, in mid. On yours, a, a, a slash type. Uh, you know, Jacob Peterson still listed as a forward. Is is again? Yeah. Uh, Jacob, uh, as somebody referred to Jacob as a, as a defensive winger, I really like that uh, that that, <laughs> that terminology. Yeah, um, pretty good. But you know, the thing with with, uh, with Jake is he's he's still going to go out there. No matter where you put him on the on the field, he's going to give you effort and. Uh, it, it full throttle effort for every minute he's out there. So if he's up, if he's, yeah. he's a winger and he's in more of a defensive role up top, then he's that's what he's going to give you. If he's on the if he's on the in the midfield, if he's a left back, uh, if he gets pressed on his left back, he's going to give you everything he's got out there. And that's the kind of guys that Peter Vermees likes. That's I think that's why he likes Onyor. I think that's why he likes uh, Namath because he can play in more one spot. And whatever he, you you look at Onyor, he was given everything that he had out there. Look at Namath, he was given everything that he had out there wherever they put him. And that's the kind of guy that tends to do well in the system as a guy who maybe isn't, that might not be his natural position, but he's going to give you what he's got uh, in wherever you put him on the field. Right. All right, we're uh, we're starting to run a little short on time, so I want to just run down through some of these other new guys real quick. We've already talked about Marin, we talked about Namath, we talked about Anor. Uh, uh, Mr. Alex Morgan, Carrasco, what have you seen out of him so far, Cody? 
I uh, I haven't seen much from him. I couldn't even tell what part of the you know midfield really he was he was playing because he came on in a swarm of <laughs> you know an entire line change. But uh, but yeah, I mean I've I've watched uh, whenever we we got him. I looked you know some highlights of him and and I'm pretty I'm interested to see what he can do. Steve. He's been fairly quiet so far, which, you know, if he's going to be playing the defensive bench spot, uh, quiet is not always a bad thing. I mean, not everybody, not all the defenses are going to be spectacular in terms of uh, interceptions and, and uh, just picking off other teams past the way that, that Roselle was. But, you know, if he's quiet and he's steady in that spot, then you really can't ask for more than that. The defense spot is not really designed to be drawing a whole lot of attention to itself in this setup. So you know he Very he hasn't he hasn't stood out for 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 committing any screw ups hasn't really stood out for creating much but he's he seems like he's been fairly quietly competent out there and that's uh, that's what you want from from a deep mid spot. Cool. How about uh, Anibaba? I mean, uh, from what I've seen of him so far, he hasn't impressed me. Although he hasn't, Mm-mm. but he I have I can't really say like anything truly bad about him. I know that. They haven't always looked good when he was out there, but you can say that about the whole team at that point. But uh, I mean, what do you guys think? What, yeah, have you got exactly. anything from him so far? No, that was that was exactly what what I thought of him. I there was, I definitely did see a couple plays where him and Beesler were did not look at all on the same page. But um, I mean, we really haven't seen very much of him, so it's hard to say at this point. But he might have to, depending on if. How fit Opara is, we might be we might be seeing him a lot there next to Beasley. Yeah, I think we've been so used to seeing uh, Beasley and Colin and Beasley and Opara and Colin and Opara, depending on who was out there at the time. Of course, Ike wasn't playing much last season because he was hurt. But those three between them, you always get a good pairing uh, that knew what the other was going to do uh, mm-hmm. when Beasley and Colin were out there together. Beasler was a steady one. Colin would turn into a number ten and go tearing up the pitch. When Beasler and Lapar were out, out there, uh, it's kind of the they were both a little more reserved on offense. But you knew that, that Ike was going to be the one going up on on the set pieces and trying to create some things with his height uh, when it got into the team's box. Uh, when it was when it was Colin and Lapar, well then Ike was the steady one and Colin was Colin. Uh, now Colin's gone. And Opara's coming back, and now you've got this this new, I used to say third guy, but the guy who's going to have to develop partnerships with both of the other center backs, especially with Gold Cup this summer. Um, a chance that that, that Beeler's going to be gone for that because this is an important Gold Cup. Um, so it, there's, there's always going to be a shakedown period, and that center back pairing, you know, arguably, you, you talk about a two player combination. That's the most important two player combination on the pitch is your two center backs. And it's going to take a while to get in there. And I'm not expecting Anibaba to come in and instinctively know where he's supposed to go. I think he's going to yeah. be a work in progress for a while just until he gets settled in. So, you know, have we seen, does he look rough? Sure. But you, you expect that at that position. He's still, a, he's still a young guy, too. Very true. Um, speaking of young guys, uh, draft pick Dia, uh, he's Started last game with uh, the first team. What's that? I said, I said baby face. He's got a baby face. Oh. 
Uh, yeah, well, uh, to me, I mean, Steve, I, I, probably a lot of them do at this point. But uh, yeah, he's he looked pretty good yesterday, or, or in the last game, rather. Uh, I've been impressed with his composure and and his 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 engine too. I mean, he 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 doesn't play like a first year guy to me. He he plays with more composure uh, from what I've seen so far, and and, and really got a, a, a pretty good knack for for getting out on, on the other team's wing and, and getting making himself a problem uh, for the other team's wingers. Uh, and so I've, I've liked what I've seen from him so far. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like yeah. you said about not not looking not looking like a like a rookie set. I'll just go right on to your your next your next one there, Hamid Rogers. And I'm going to call him Hamid. <laughs> He uh, he uh, he also looks really really you know like he he was incredibly strong on the ball. He was you know dudes were banging into him really hard, and he would he would keep the ball. And that was even like on his goal. You watch the highlight. He you know just sticks a leg out and uh, stays strong, and then you know is able to make a pass. So he's another guy that that did not look out of place at all. He he had a nice finish in that last game, the game winner. The, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I've, I've, and I think they they really think they've got a steal with him. We haven't talked about Connor Halsey yet. He wasn't on the list. I, I've I've liked some things I've seen from him as well. In, in in terms of, he doesn't look intimidated out there when he plays. Um, yeah, he's. He, I mean, he's he's a, he's still going to be a development uh, project. I mean, a lot of most first round guys are even you know, it's a while for him to catch up. But I've I've liked what I've seen from him so far. Uh, maybe not as is not standing out uh, that you're going to come out yet, but but I've 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 liked the the work ethic and the and the uh, ability shown to play a couple different places on the pitch. Now uh, I didn't have on the list. I forgot to put on there uh, Dujong, the uh, Canadian. Um, he's another uh, outside back who he's been starting ahead of Seth in this last couple games. Um, I think it's just to, so they can compare him with uh, whoever's starting, but he's yeah. looked okay. Not he, he looked like he's not quite in sync with everything, but but individually he looked okay most of the time. Is that yeah, a fair, he was pretty fit. He was he was getting forward really really well, but I didn't really see much other than that. Well, it's, yeah, this this is an interesting case, I mean, because Seth has been a rocket left back. Um, for quite some time now, uh, and the reason that that uh, Dejong wanted to leave Augsburg uh, was it because he lost his starting spot to the twenty-year-old guy from from Ghana, uh, who was going to hold on to it for you know, the foreseeable future, um, be my guess. And so he he wanted to get out of Augsburg and leave a Bundesliga club because he wasn't playing as much as he thought he should have been. Now is he going to be happy? Coming to Kansas City, if he can be playing behind Jasenovic um, in MLS, you know, are they going to? Again, with his with his uh, history, are they going to? What are they going to have to pay him to keep him? Are they going to pay that much for a guy who would be uh, depth at left back, or is this? Are they looking to push Seth hard and maybe uh, heat up a race for that that position? It's, I don't know how that's going to develop. But I don't. I do know that he's not coming to MLS to be a backup. That, that's uh, judging from what he said in the past about why he wanted to get out of 
out of Augsburg and into a new situation. Hmm. That is, that well, is very interesting. It would be nice to have somebody who can can play that position besides Seth on a reliable basis. I mean, Seth has been the rock, but he's also been the rock because anytime we were really looking to have somebody else back there, um, there wasn't, they weren't available. I mean, when we really needed the depth back there, Kevin was playing right back last year or center back, you know what I mean? Um, you know, we ended up with Jacob Peterson back there for a game or two, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He loved Jake, but that's not his spot. Um, to, I don't know. Do you bring in? Could you bring in Dijon and say you're going to play 50% of the games plus? Would he be happy with that? And what would happen with Seth in that case? Seth, I right. think, would actually be more okay with it than most because he's a Kansas City guy and doesn't want to go anywhere else. You know, somebody, somebody get on it. Let's send a field reporter and go to Tucson and ask him. You know, guys want to play, though. I mean, I mean, Seth is a Kansas City guy, but Seth wants to play. I, 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 I think if you asked a guy, would you play uh, 50% of the games in your hometown or be the guy someplace else, it's not going to be an easy question for them to answer because it's it's uh, these guys are, are, are pretty proud about, you know, winning a starting job. And, you know, they, you're right, they have not had a whole lot of depth at – at uh, back, and I think Seth got a little worn down last year because of that lack of depth. But are you going to spend that? Are you going to spend Bundesliga veteran money on a backup? That's that's the big question. What's going to happen if they if they do get him signed and he's not starting behind Seth? Is he going to get uh, down down and, and and you know back off and train? It's, that that's I don't think it's a cut and dry situation. I think Peter. Is uh, liked what he's seen from him in terms of being able to push forward and his, and his sense on the ball, things like that. But I think there, there are other issues to consider here, and this may be—I um, don't know if it's, a, if it's a good signing as a depth signing, or that they're bringing him in to, to push for a starting spot, and that causes other issues. Uh, I don't know how that's going to play out, but it's going to be definitely worth watching. Hmm. Well, and I know you pointed out that uh, you wouldn't—a lot of guys wouldn't want to go and only play 50% at home and maybe be a starter somewhere else. But you got to remember when Seth was taken in the expansion draft, he was going to retire. He just wasn't going to go someplace else. Now, I know there's, that's a, there's a little difference between now and then. That was the attitude he had at that point was he just wasn't going to go someplace else. This was the only place he was going to play or he was just going to quit. Um, if he, That's why I think Seth might be more willing to take a cut in games <laughs> and stay here and not be a – you know what I mean? I don't. I don't know. I can't speak for him, obviously, and haven't asked him that question. And he would probably not answer it 100% truthfully anyway. But, um, that's, but that's, why, a, that's, that's a good point. He's a team guy. He's a team first guy. But even within the team first, there's a lot of pride in being the guy at a spot. Uh, we asked him last oh, year. Yeah. You know, you feel you feel like you're getting worn down because there's no not a whole lot of. Uh, depth at your spot and you're, you're having to play all these matches. He said, that's my job. You know, that that's that was my job. And you remember they, they gave him, uh, if I'm not mistaken, did they give him a new deal in the off season as well? Um, I don't know. I don't remember. It might have been the year before. Yeah, I don't remember it being in this off season. But, but I mean, you could be right. I just don't remember happening in this off season. So, uh, 
it's you know I I, I don't know that uh, is he is he has he been good enough to make all those issues worth it? What do you think? Who the, has the young man good enough in preseason to make all the other questions worth raising if you sign him? Well, I don't know. I guess we would have to know how how Steph feels about it all. Well, I would say no at this point, based on the cash it might take to get him, the other issues it might cause, and the fact that unless we have another catastrophic year on defense, we have Ellis that can fit in over there. We have Dia can fit in over there, I believe, because I think he's in the actually a left back, not a right back. Yeah, um, I think so. Maybe Salam even can fit in over there. I forget. And then we always have worst comes to worst, Jacob Peterson. Jake, 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 Jake. And who knows? We might go to a three-five-two and not need an outside back anyway. You know. <laughs> no, yeah. Then, well, if you go to a three-five-two, then what do you do with uh, with the uh, other with the fullbacks that you've got? You know, do you play them on the back line, or do you move them? Uh, do you have an extra sort of extra set of fullbacks you play on the outside? So where you've got, you know, three or more fullbacks uh, on the on the field at the same time. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I was wrong. Yeah, he's not. He was. He wasn't a contract extension last time. He's. You know, we're. I was just thinking about all the uh, the minutes that he got in um, last oh, yeah. year. He got. Uh, right. To think, he had. Uh, well, uh, led the led the whole roster with thirty thirty three eighty five minutes. Uh, and wow. 3790 alley, and that takes toll. It does. Yeah. That that would be my worry about not signing DeJong. Um, but then again, we you know we gotta at least entrust in Mateus and everybody else to, to look at the fitness level and be able to determine all that. Uh, but we do have people at least again as long as there isn't the catastrophic series on you know injuries on defenders this year which, quite honestly, when Opara went down the other night, I'm like, huh, it starts again. But as long as it doesn't happen yeah. like last year, we have backups who can fill in and, and do spots. And there isn't as many games this year or travel going to, you know, little Central American countries for uh Yeah, where, where games, they hack you. Know? Yeah. Um, well, we'll be playing USL teams where they hack us, but at least it's not the huge amount of travel. Right, right. So the uh, yeah, that's that would be the only, and Dejong is not a ninety-minute guy yet. Anyway, that's that's what Vermi said has said already. Is, you know, he needs to get fitter, um, but he has some things yeah. that we like. So he would not be in from day one pushing for that starting job. Uh, hmm. But so then, but so then you were saying if he. It must sound like uh, he must have changed his mind a little bit on, you know, only being only being a starter if, uh, you know, if he's not even all the way fit. And Peter says you you can't even play a full game yet. Then he has to know that he might not, you know, can't start like right off the bat. Yeah, you also kind of wonder, you know, if it got into his. And again, I'm not speaking for him. Um, some guys aren't starters and they stay fit and. Um, you know, if he's if he lost his position uh, at Augsburg and and then let his let his fitness slip a little bit, then he may. You know, is that a flag too? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's. Well, that would, he's gonna 
he's going to have to buy into the way they do things here. That's one of the things that, about sporting. They don't bring in uh, players and say, okay, we'll adapt to you. They bring in, you, know, you look at who they bring in, and they say, you're going to, you're going to adapt to us uh, and the way we do things. We're not going to tailor our game around, around you. And so if he can, yeah. if he can adapt and adjust and, and give them another good option uh, at, at left back, then it could be a very good signing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, he's very still, much he's still in camp. So. Thailand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or or Claros to or Claros to China. Yeah, that's which, uh, a report out. Technically. Technically, we've run over time on the live portion of our broadcast, but it's still recording, so we can finish off a little bit more, but we want to wrap it up here shortly. But moving on to Claros for the segue there, Cody. Um, rumor is yeah. that he's in China, and yeah. officially Sporting would not respond, but that's normal. They won't they won't uh, comment on a deal until the deal is done. So if uh, if he was headed to China, until all the paperwork is signed and approved and everything else, they won't comment on it. Uh, but right. it's sounding kind of likely because I I don't I haven't seen him in camp from any of the pictures or videos or games after the Honduras uh, appearance. Have you have you seen him anywhere? I have not. I haven't. Seen him. And I didn't know if he was taking some time off because he was with Honduras the Honduran national team. Um, for a couple of friendlies, even though they've been given some time off for that. But if he does, if he is going to China, and again, I have no um, inside knowledge in part yet. Uh, I'm sure I'll be burning up the phone lines in the uh, next couple of days to figure out what's going on. Uh, it may be another thing with, with like it was with Lawrence Allen. Guy's under contract, uh, but wants to go someplace else, and they agree to mutually part ways. I don't see. Uh, because they they got him out of contract, they didn't have to pay a transfer fee for him, so they're not financially invested in in needing to get a transfer fee back for him. Uh, if he wants out, mm-hmm. typically uh, the response is, "You don't want to be here." Great. Uh, if, if we don't and, need to get anything for you, we'll let you know. And it might also free up a, a you know an international roster spot for a new a new signings and these trips that Rob is going on. That it's that's also very possible, yeah. Uh, yeah. I will say I was a little bit surprised because I had thought that that you know it was kind of rough last year, but I thought that maybe having Roger uh, Espinosa in, in the same roster would 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 help uh, the class yeah. get integrated even better into the team. So it, it did catch me a little bit uh, off guard when I saw that that report out of Honduras. Yeah. It's uh, kind of funny that you would look at Espinoza as being the one to settle somebody down. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand and I agree with you. I, I kind of thought the same thing, but it is kind of uh, ironic to think that. Um, <clears throat> Roger, you talked to Roger although, when he came back. He's, he's, Roger has, has uh, I don't think he's lost any of the fire, but I, I, I think Roger is, is, is uh, really, is, he, he's really, Keep growing into the game, and he understands that he's he's uh, you know not a new guy anymore. He's he's a guy who's been around for a while. He's got responsibilities to younger players. Um, he, he's his you know his demeanor is quieter, uh, cracking uh, cracking jokes, um, 
uh, like, but he, he's just there's a that sort of gravitas is starting starting to settle in with him, um, and I, I really think that 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 was one of the reasons that they have you or one of the things that they talked about is how much can he uh, can he help Klaus make the adjustment and, and get settled in because they they already know each other and they have that history. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I do agree with you. I, mean, I was kind of joking there about being ironic about Roger setting settling somebody down, but um, you you hit it. You hit the point that I was trying. I was going to come around to actually, but um, with Roger, he's demonstrating the leadership already when he was here. I mean, just in the interviews and stuff, we talked to him when he signed. He you could already see that he's matured greatly over that that time span from when we first met him a few years ago. He's he's matured since the time he left to go to England and he's continuing to mature and become that guy that, you know, the the new guys are gonna look up to and say, Hey, <laughs> this is the guy I want to emulate now. He's not just the the wild, crazy red card Roger. He's the guy that he's been there, done that. He's played in Olympics, he's played in World Cups, he's played in the Premier League. He's now the the guy that everybody wants to aspire to to have those same experiences. I mean, he's he's won an open he's won a US Open Cup he's won an FA Cup I mean he's 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 uh, he's been successful he's uh, and, and again he's yeah he's he, he is that veteran presence now and I, I think that they're uh, going to, to to use that presence as as much as they can. Not just his his on field uh, skills, but his, his just his intangibles now, uh, his life experience, his his uh, new perspectives on things. I think it's, it's a good bring back for for sporting to get him back. Definitely, absolutely. All right. the The last thing I had on our agenda was uh, possibility season does not start on time. I don't want to take too long on this, but uh, um, what are the odds you think the season starts, uh, Cody? I, I'm I'm pretty confident that that they'll get it done. That I think them bringing in that mediator was a pretty good sign that it'll happen. And if and I mean if it doesn't, I, I you know at the most maybe like maybe like a week or two. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I don't of course you know given given uh, my I can't look at either side and say this is the 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 right side and this side's got to give in and this side's got to get what they want. Uh, but I, looking at it as impartial as I can, I would say that I think both sides realize that nobody wants a stoppage. Uh, yeah. Nobody, nobody wants a strike. Uh, I, I think there will be, um, if just speaking now, not on my own, not representing anybody but myself, uh, I think <laughs> that there will be concessions made by both sides uh, that might not be what everybody wants, but I, I don't think that, that people want to make this thing draw out. Like Again, if it, if it doesn't start on time, I don't see it going more than a week or so because I don't think yeah. anybody wants to take it farther than that, especially given um, what is going on this this, this year. Um, I know. The team's coming in and the, all the – Players and talent coming in, they—I just feel like they'd be insane to 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 you know let it happen now. You know, you, you've got the expansion teams, you've got high-profile players uh, coming in, um, some later than expected. Um, we'll kiss you, Frank Lampard. <laughs> um, but you, you, 
and there's a lot of buzz around this season. Um, you know, Kaká, David Villa, uh, Manchester City, two in, in New York. Sorry, New York City FC and Orlando City. Um, and it's, I don't think that, that anybody wants to derail that. Um, and, and again, I, without getting into the, into the merits of either side's arguments, uh, I, I don't think that that either side <laughs> wants to take this deep um because it really it, it's it would not be um good for the momentum that's been built up well from from what i've read about it it's that free agency is the issue and the league says if you know that they think free agency will you know cause the you know cause the league to be in, inflated and you know too much more whatever whatever they argue it'll be they argue that it'll kill the league and the players are saying that they've had multiple um, economics teams look at it and say that the league is, is mature enough now and, and can withstand it at this point. So if that is true, then I'm in, I'm in more inclined to say the league should, you know, let, let the players have their free agency. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a little more pessimistic than both of you that the season would start on time at this point. Because um, I see the... I, I I see the owners wanting not to have the free agency, although I'm not fully um, understanding of why they are so entrenched on that. I know that, that they feel that that's the need to um, keep the league structure as it is. Yeah, the, uh, and, the, but the, the the players kind of see it that they need to get the free agency in this CBA because really, if they cave on this one they may never have the same unity and leverage again because they they yeah. they went last time where they got just a, a a step, half a step towards it. If they don't go and, and get most of the way to a full free agency this time, you're probably not going to get it in the next one either. Yeah. Well, from what I've been reading, I, it, that, that's the key issue. I mean, there are other issues there, but the, the free agency is a key issue. Um, and it's 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 one that, that the players have said that they're they're committed to that issue. Um, so there may not be a gigantic amount of room for for a compromise. But again, I think I think both sides uh, realize just how big this this season is. Uh, I mean, it's the 20th season. I mean, there's two new clubs. It's all kinds of of, of big. Uh, Things going on this year, and I would like to think that that neither side wants to to uh, to really risk um, getting that up too much with with an extensive stoppage. All right. Um, since we've already run over our official amount of time, and I'm hopefully hopefully it's still recording. Um, I think it is. But let's uh, let's just go ahead and wrap it up, guys. Um, just real quick, if there's anything you want to say, throw out there for a quick topic, but uh, keep it short. Cody, last words, topics, anything? Uh, no, I can't. I can't think of anything. Steve, I would think we've pretty much uh, covered uh, a lot of ground. Uh, it's been a, it's been a full nighty night, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think we went into extra time. Um, I appreciate both you guys coming on and, um, 
Steve Brizendine from MLSsoccer.com, Cody Bradley from the Blue Testament, and Thad from the Blue Testament. I appreciate everybody listening, and thanks for coming on, guys. I'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. All right, have a good one. From the front porch, there's a party on in here. When it's a football night, when it's a football night, we can gather all the friends all around the stove. That's not a bad thing to do. When it's a football night, when it's a football night, when I find a whistle blows, you know we're gonna feel alright. Final with the blows, you know we're gonna feel